Today's show is brought to you by Lightning Pod. If you have a podcast, you know that it's a lot of work. But Lightning Pod can help. We've been working with their founder, Eric Johnson, for more than a year now, and he's really helped us take the Smart Home Show to the next level. So if you're starting a new podcast or you want to make your existing podcast better, you should get in touch with Eric. Learn more at lightningpod.fm. Hey, this is Adam. This week on the Smart Home Show, Richard and I decided to dream a little and talk about what we would want in our perfect smart home, where money and sometimes even technology was no object. Hope you enjoyed the discussion. We certainly had fun having it. Hey, everyone. This is the Smart Home Show. I'm Richard Gunther from the Digital Media Zone, and I'm joined as usual by my co-host Adam Justice from Ganexense. Hey, Adam. Hey, Richard. How are you? I'm doing well. It's been a while since we talked. Glad to get back at it. And on this episode, you and I are doing something a little different. We are going to share our respective thoughts on what our smart homes might look like if money... One might argue maybe even technology were no barrier, no object. The sky's the limit here. I think this is going to be fun. Yeah, I think it'll be a good discussion. And sometimes technology is just a matter of money. Like there are things that aren't practical (laughs) to do um, with today's technology, you know, at a given price. So, but fair enough. Should be a good discussion. All right. So as always, um, we're going to open the show with a question. So I have a question for you, Richard, which is, what did you buy on Prime Day? Well, first of all, do you mean Prime Day or do you mean Secondary Day? Because I bought mine on (laughs) Prime Day 2, which I affectionately refer to as Secondary Day. If we're being mathematical here, I gave in in the last hour and bought the new TV I had been looking at. Oh, that's a big one. During Prime Days. It was available discounted even more than you can find it usually. And interestingly enough, it was vacillating. It was going between thirty two and forty percent off the list, which is pretty good. So I got the new LG C one which is their OLED. I have the 55-inch version of that from several years ago. This is the more recent version of the 65-inch, which will take my current TV's place, and then that will get demoted to some other room somewhere. How about you? So, um, very funny, because I also just bought a a C1, but I didn't (laughs) buy it on Prime Day. Okay. Word on the street was that all the retailers were discounting high-end TVs and electronics because they were overstocked. Like all of a sudden everybody freaked out cuz they had too much inventory of a lot of these kinds of things. So the ships finally docked. Yes, yes. <laughs> so there were a lot of deals to be had on TVs and this one was actually for we have a space, we have a finished third floor attic. And um, my boys, who are 12 and about to be 10, refer to it as the fort. And it's sort of their space. So they've been working on cleaning it up and kind of getting it organized. And there was one older TV up there, but they really wanted a second TV so they could have kind of two gaming stations. So I bought the C1 to pair with the PlayStation 5 up there. So just the 55-inch. Which is amazingly priced right now. I think it was like $400 off its normal price when I bought it. But I actually bought nothing on Amazon Prime Day. I was pretty pretty proud of myself. Normally, I would buy a few things I didn't need, and I stayed away from all of it. I didn't even really look. Oh, I looked. I couldn't find anything other than that TV that I couldn't live without. I did buy another, not another, but a, a new Ring battery charger base thing that was on sale and some other random stuff that really didn't have anything to do with prime day any more than my usual purchases. So, yeah, I think I did. I did read Jenny's article on the verge of like prime day smart home stuff and nothing caught my eye. That was the extent of which of looking I did. That's how I felt. 
it's a lot of brands that I normally wouldn't use a lot of Amazon's assistant specific stuff, which I don't use anymore. I noticed that Leviton had some of their devices on there, but it was the last generation, not the new generation that I've been so excited about. So that wasn't all that great. So yeah, I'm actually happy that I wasn't tempted to buy more, frankly. So if you want to submit a question for us to open the show, you can send us a question on Twitter using the hashtag AskAdamAndRichard. Okay, so we're going to dive into this kind of round-robin style. We're going to go back and forth and talk about different categories of things that we would do in our smart homes. Again, think of money as no object. Maybe to some degree that means technology, and I'm going to push those limits a little bit a couple of times. And we're going to start with general stuff. And Adam, weigh in here because I think you and I – are saying a lot of the same stuff. So it may be more efficient if just as we're going through, <laughs> you add in your stuff too. But on, on the general side, my first thing is that maybe this is what's pushing technology. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I just want everything to work. I don't want to have to tweak it all the time. I don't want to have to troubleshoot it all the time. I don't want my partner telling me once a week that – this timer didn't work or this light didn't go on for the sensor or this switch isn't behaving the way it's expected to. Yeah. I mean, to this, like for whatever reason, a lot of things in our home all of a sudden aren't working with Amazon's assistant. And my wife's like, can you fix this? I'm like, I don't even know what's wrong. I guess I can reboot some things and look at it, but it's super annoying to have to constantly troubleshoot or have this state where something's always broken. If you have any sort of home automation, smart home installation in your home, generally something's broken. So I think this is a a big wish, but it would be nice if things just worked and they stayed working. Yes, (laughs) that's a yes, exactly that. All right. uh, Next up for me, I don't want any dependency on the cloud inside the home. That means I'm willing to host whatever servers or devices or walls of controllers in the basement that I need to have to make this stuff all work. And, you know, it comes to mind some of the Lutron systems that I've seen installed in some homes where there's just banks of panels on the wall so that everything can work locally and is controlled locally. doesn't mean that it doesn't use the cloud to connect from outside the house. That's still a potential. But while I'm inside, I'd really like it all to just – I'd like the brains to be inside. Yeah, I think this is one where you and I differ a little bit. I don't really care how it gets it done as long as it works. So if that's what it takes to be working and reliable, okay, I'm in for that. But if it can be working and reliable via the cloud, I'm not overly concerned about that. Yep, fair enough. Now, as far as controlling everything, I want a lot of this stuff to be automatic. I want sensor control for things throughout the house. That could be light sensors, motion sensors, audio or presence sensors of some sort. I also want the ability to control it by voice. Again, anywhere. I don't care where I'm standing in the house. I want to be able to control something. And I also don't want to forgo physical controls. That's One of the things that's really important to me, I think there was this house in Aspen that recently got some attention because of the Insteon installation that was in there. And the architect's approach to that house was that everything in terms of operating the house is hidden. That meant every light switch, every everything. That's a no-go for guests and kids and parents and anyone else that might be visiting. I want to make sure that 
there are multiple ways to control everything in the house and you're not relying on voice alone or sensors alone or scenes alone or just buttons alone. It should be multi-channel, if you will. What you just said kind of speaks to one of my points, which was accessibility and usability for all members of the home. So what I mean by this is that you shouldn't need to train your family members on how to use it. It should be intuitive. They should know how to do things. It should all just work for them as well. Because I think that's something that you and I both obviously have to deal with. But for somebody that lives alone and set everything up, you know, you just set everything the way you want to. But here in the real world where we live with other people, it has to work for them too. And they have to know how to do things in the home. Yeah, completely, completely. Kind of building on that along those lines, as far as controlling it, in addition to normal physical controls that people might understand, like switches or buttons, I also do like the idea of touch panels. I know that's kind of a polarizing thing these days in smart home. There are installers that are trying to move people away from that. There are some that still believe it's a valuable Thing. I like that probably because I'm a little bit of a control freak and I like visibility into things. I also think it's convenient to have things like that around the house. I, you may remember I had an iPad installed in my kitchen in my old home and used that to some degree as a control panel. But I want access for everything from one interface. And that's where I think the control panel like you might see with a Control 4 or a Crestron or something like that, is a nice touch because it gives you access to everything in one place. That means no separate app to have to go in to control the Bluetooth blinds that I have or no separate app to tweak some light color or turn something off that didn't turn off with the scene that was supposed to control it universally. I want everything accessible in one really good experience, preferably through a panel, maybe also be able to control that from the TV or whatever. I don't know if you remember or ever even saw this, but one of my favorite smart home control systems was a system called Lifeware. And it was built on the Windows Media Center platform. This company took Windows Media Center as your basis, the idea being that, okay, if you have Windows Media Center in your living room, then it's something that everybody's familiar with. You have it on your computer, you have it in your living room, maybe you have it on a panel somewhere, and they actually built panels that would run this, and it was such a good intuitive experience for being able to look at, monitor, and control everything in the home. Loved it. If money were a no object, I would find the guy, Mike, that ran that company, have him spin something up that was just like that for me. I like it. So one of the things that you maybe touched on a little bit, but I want to take further is you said kind of sensing and you mentioned proximity. What I've always really wanted and I've always thought was a killer app is really good proximity sensing. So I'm talking about a room knowing that someone's in the room and when they left the room. And I'll take that a step further, which is knowing who's in the room. To me, that's really what's needed for, I've heard it called like the ambient home, which is like a home that's actually intelligent and can anticipate the needs of the people that live in it and also customize it to the different people in the home. So if somebody likes their lights at a certain color temperature or all different kinds of things, knowing what to do when that particular person enters the room. Completely. I love that idea. It really is talking about this idea of a conscious home. And I really like the way that you said that. It's not that this sensor got triggered the way a system like that needs to be designed is that there's a digital representation of your entire home. And a room 
is one of the things in that digital home. And that room knows, it has awareness of who's in it at any given point in time and what time it is, because maybe that influences things too. You may handle things differently at one time of day than you do at another time of day. That sort of intelligence, I mean, we really are getting into the AI control of a digital twin is what I'm talking about. And I love that. I mean, I hope that we see more stuff like that. I think we see companies doing that, like Josh AI. That's kind of part of what they promise is this home that learns what you do and what you want and who you are and where you are and converses with you and just makes it all work. Yeah. And I mean, to speak to the technology, because, you know, some people might think that's pretty far fetched. You know, one of the things that seemed promising to be able to do something like this was ultra wideband. And when Apple started putting ultra wideband in phones, watches, etc., as well as home pods, if you have your phone on you or you're wearing an Apple Watch that has ultra wideband, that would be enough in theory to be able to tell who was in what room and kind of your proximity to a fixed object like a HomePod or even like an AirTag that you put in a room. So I think there's some real potential there. And, you know, that could help deliver at least some of that experience today. And it's not just that because people might be thinking, okay, well, what about, you know, your baby? You're not going to put an AirTag on your baby. Maybe you will, but you probably shouldn't do that. (laughs) And you're Guests aren't going to have phones necessarily that are integrated with your system. How about are the lights just not going to go on for them? Think about this as kind of multi-pronged, right? That's just one aspect of it. But you could also have traditional sensors. So sometimes the room knows who's in it. Sometimes the room just knows that there's someone in it, and that's okay. And it behaves differently as a result. I'm still laughing about air tagging the baby. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Don't do that. That was a bad idea. So if you think about this, a lot of this sounds like a professionally installed system. And many professionally installed systems with enough money could get really, really close to this. Here's the thing for me. I still want the ability to be able to futz with it. Like if something isn't quite the way I want it, I don't want to have to call my home tech pro to come and fix it or adjust it for me, even if I can afford that, because money is no object. I want to just be able to mess with it myself. And a lot of these systems don't let you do that. Now, some are getting better. Control 4 has a logic engine that its end users, the homeowners, can actually get access to and You know, the same is true that if I bought a new color light bulb that I wanted to add into the system, I shouldn't have to call somebody to do that, which is what would happen if I had an alarm.com system nowadays. I'd have to get the official alarm person to come out here and add that device to – no, I just that's ridiculous. It needs to be easier than that. I've got it, Richard. So in this theoretical – Money's no object. You just become a home technology professional, and then you can install it. You can pay somebody else to install it, but then you have all the skills to tweak it. I would be completely okay with that. I'd go through all the certifications and everything. I have no problem with that. Let's do it. I think in some cases, people just have you know a home tech person that they're pretty buddy-buddy with, and so they give them all the passwords and things to be able to do it themselves. But Yeah, probably. Probably. All right. Anything else on your general list? Uh, I don't think so. So next up, we were going to talk about voice assistants. And I'll go first. I added this category in because I wanted to touch on this specifically because I'm not necessarily picky about what voice assistant I use. I just want it to work consistently. I want it to understand nuance commands and I want a good intercom capability that works throughout the home. So it's not a lot to ask for. In other words, it needs to be better. It needs to be much, much better than 
it is right now. Yeah, and I think to elaborate a little bit, you know, we were talking about other members of the home. I feel like too often you have to know what the command dictionary is Yep. for a voice assistant, and it should just be smart enough to know basic commands and understand different ways that those commands might come out. This all kind of goes with everything just works, too. It's like if my five-year-old gives it a command that makes sense in her brain, it should know what to do with that. And you shouldn't need to know what every device is called and some of those kinds of things. And and I think it, it goes with some of what we said in the first section, too. It's like, if you knew what room I was in, then maybe you'd have a better understanding of what I'm asking for from a voice command perspective. Versus I think the approach now is like, I'm trying to look at your whole home and match that against the names of all those things. Maybe you could have better technology and better response if you have the context of where you're sending a command from. Absolutely. And to some extent, Amazon's assistant tries to do that. It has the concept of being associated with a room. So commands that you give it in that room are supposed to be specific to that room. Your mileage may vary. Mine has. But I think we need to get more of that sort of stuff. I need to be able to say, turn the lights on. And it turns the lights on in that room. Specifically, it knows which lights I would normally want turned on as opposed to turning every light on because they're associated with that room. It's stuff like that. Again, that learning thing. Again, I look at Josh AI as an example of a system that is trying to do this and probably comes closest to any of getting this right, particularly from that conversational perspective. It needs to be personalized. And I would go to the extent that not just who's asking in terms of knowing what their preferences are, but who's asking maybe in terms of knowing what they may or may not know to do. So for example, if I ask it to do something, it may know that I have a preference. If a guest asks it to do something, there might not be a preference. It may need to ask more questions. Right. That's what I was going to say. It may, it may need to play 50 questions to understand what they want. <laughs> well, hopefully not 50. I'm thinking two max. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, th- I think that there's a lot of opportunity for stuff like that. I also think that, and I don't understand why we don't have this now. I'm getting really close to that other topic that I want to explore at some point, which is more about like, my, you know, your pet peeves about smart home stuff. But I should be able to stand in my kitchen and say, turn on the news. And it knows that I mean to turn on the television, load the app where I get my TV, put the channel on that I normally watch for news in the space that I'm in, and do something maybe slightly different if my partner asks, because maybe he watches a different news station or turns on a different news station if it's using his profile on the TV service. So stuff like that, that I'm just kind of shocked that we can't yet do is the kind of stuff that I want to be able to do. And I'm sure if I paid enough, I'd be able to get somebody to make it work for me. Yeah, I like it. All right. Let's talk about my favorite smart home subject, which is lighting. If money were no object, I would go so all out on smart lighting And I'm not just talking about light bulbs and switches and stuff like that. I'm talking about technology that exists today, but using it in a way that's very expensive. Having integrated architectural lighting, I'll talk a little bit more about what that means, but integrated lighting that responds to presence, responds to the time of day, maybe behaves differently when you operate it based on the time of day. So let's think about hallway lights. One of the coolest smart home effects that you frequently see in TV and movies and future sci-fi stuff is this concept of pathway lighting. 
lighting that comes on in the space that you encroach as you come upon it. So for example, in a hallway, if you're walking down a hallway, maybe you're not going to go all the way down the hall. Do you need to turn every light on in the hallway? There's a chance you have maybe three or four ceiling bucks or floods in the hall. Why turn them all on? Why not have the space light up progressively as you move down the hallway? It's not just cool. It's also really practical. Right. And the technology exists today that you can do it intelligently. You can dim the lights up so that it all seems very fluid and isn't in any way jarring. The brightness and warmth of the lights could vary dramatically depending on when you're walking down that hallway. For example, if you're walking out into the hall in the middle of the night and everyone else is asleep, or if you're walking into the hallway and there's an emergency situation that, again, the home is aware of, or if you're just walking down the hall in the middle of the day and it's bright and sunny out. All of this is capable today, but it takes a lot of programming, a lot of money, and a lot of work. I was also going to say, uh, in our theoretical dream smart homes, we're probably both building homes from scratch because some of this would not retrofit well. It would be a lot easier to do it in a home built from scratch. Agreed. Yeah, and if money were no object, why not build your smart home from scratch, right? Yeah. So another thing that I really like is integrated lighting. And this gets more toward that architectural lighting concept. Lighting that is built into the framework of your home. So for example, lighting strips that are embedded in the ceiling or in the wall, as opposed to fixtures. It often is very artistic, or it could be an accent light that you don't see, but you see the the shine because it's behind some sort of shelf or something. I've seen it done incredibly well. One of the coolest effects I've seen integrated into the baseboard so that a light at the bottom of the baseboard actually dimmed up as you walk into the hall and provided light at your foot level, which is really where you need it if you're going out into the hall at night. You don't need a lot of light in the space in the room. A similar effect for lighting that might go under stair treads or up the stringer of a flight of stairs can be really cool. You would never do something like that without also making it smart because that would just be a waste. So I would look at these projects kind of as something I would want to do together. I think I'm just hiring you to do pick all my lighting because <laughs> my stuff was pretty basic, but you have way grander vision than I, I would ever have here. Money's no object, you know? I mean, <laughs> and if I were looking at brands, I think one of the things that I, one of the brands I'm most intrigued with technology-wise is a company called Ketra that Lutron purchased a few years ago. And what's interesting about their lighting is that their systems are designed so that very, very subtle aspects of the lighting itself or dramatic aspects, depending on what you want, can be tweaked for the occasion, for the audience, for the time of day, for the amount of light in the room. You can change the wavelength of light. You can change the color temperature. You can change what happens when you hit a scene at one time of the day versus another time of the day. Same scene, but it knows the situation in that room might be different. So it does something different in those cases. This is an amazing lighting system that I would love to have in a home someday, but certainly can't afford it right now. And then in terms of lighting level, I mentioned this a little bit. I think the lighting level should consider the available ambient light. You know, I mentioned that for the, the pathway light. There's not a lot of technology that does this today. One company, Stack Lighting, kind of closed their consumer business, but this was one of the things that they were big on. And Oro, the smart controller switch devices that you and I have, they 
have been implementing features like this and they plan to expand on these types of features where the amount of light that you need is going to vary based on how much light is already in that room combined with the time of day and some sort of algorithm. What was cool about Stack was it, it was built into the light bulb itself. So in my kitchen, I could see that the lights that were in the hall in my kitchen or the side of my kitchen, as they got further away from the windows, the ones that were further into the room were brighter than the ones that were right at the windows. So that the ultimate effect was that I had a consistent amount of light throughout the entire room. It was really, really cool stuff. And then finally, for exterior lighting, think twinkle, but on steroids. Like I would love the ability to have all of my exterior lighting to be addressable, to be any color that I want it to be, to be controllable, either with patterns or different effects, all the things that you can do with these addressable outdoor decorating light kind of things. I kind of just want all of my lighting to be there, whether it's decorating light or landscape light or whatnot. Why not just have it all built on that sort of framework? I think that'd be really cool. Light shows set to music at Richard's house coming in the future. <laughs> Absolutely. So I mentioned my wants here are, are much simpler, but I'll, I'll take everything you said too. You know, for me, it's pretty basic, which is every light in the home should be controllable, which I think is it's just a given in yours. We talked about motion and proximity sensing already, but I think part of that is definitely that when you walk in a room, the lights come on. The places in my home now where I have this, we really like it. And then just customizable lighting, at least in key areas. So offices, bedrooms, and what I mean by customizable is color temperature, color, brightness. Those are the basics. So, yeah. All right. So... My next category is windows and window coverings. And this is pretty straightforward. I would take what I have, again, maybe put it on steroids, put it around the house. So I have some power blinds. I have some power rollers. I'd like to have that everywhere. Every room have the ability to have power blinds or rollers on all windows I'd love if they all had some ability to react to sunlight. Lutron's slatted blinds have a sunlight feature that adjusts the tilt automatically based on what exposure it has on your house and how hot it is at the time so that it can help with your climate control as well as help protect items in your home from sunlight damage, from fading. Unless you've moved recently or maybe refurnished or recarpeted a room in your home, you may not be aware just how much damage can occur to furniture, artwork, flooring, even carpeting from the sun itself, just coming in the windows. Yeah. So something that can help with that, I think, is a, a big benefit. I'd also like to have maybe the option to have different types of window treatments all in the same window, if that makes any sense. Like I remember, and I don't even know if they still make them, but I remember in this home store once, they had this demo where you could hit one button on the controller and it would put a shear down. And so you got lots of natural light in, but it was somewhat shielding you from the brightness of it or from, again, that sunlight Whereas if you maybe weren't going to watch TV, you might want to black the room out. So you press another button and on the same window, either another thing came down or the roller rolled even further. And now you're into the blackout portion of the blind covering the window. Something like that, I think, would be incredibly useful. And then here's my pie in the sky thing that exists, but it's just ridiculously expensive. I want those electronic privacy windows. We've been promised those for decades now, and they're just not touchable in terms of the effort and the cost. 
and just even in finding places that can install them for you. Something like that would be absolutely perfect in my bathroom right now where you have something like a dimmer and you can adjust the level of transparency of that window between completely opaque and completely transparent. And you can set these so that by default, it's opaque. So you don't have to worry about a power outage suddenly exposing you in your bathtub or something. But I I just think something like this is so useful and I want it and I want it yesterday. (laughs) So true story, maybe I want to say like four or five years ago, we did a proposal and a proof of concept on an opacity controlling front door that had that kind of smart glass in it. A perfect use case for that. Yeah. Not only turn it on and off, but you could set the percentage of opacity for the door. It was really, really cool. And unfortunately, the company decided to go a different direction with it but it's still never seen the light of day, but I did get some exposure to that technology. And I agree with you. It's very, very neat. Uh, As far as I go, a lot of what you said as well, I think one of the most impressive things I've ever seen in a smart home is full controllable shades in a big room that are all synchronized. (laughs) Yeah. It's pretty impressive. The other one I said was I'm a big, you know, complete pitch black person. So blackout shades in all bedrooms. Yeah, this is one, I mean, has been on my list for a long time and I'll do it eventually. Uh, it's just a matter of, I don't want to do it a win, a, you know, a room at a time. I'm going to wait until I can do them all right and do them big. And I also don't want to do, I want to wait for the right technology too. So, you know, if matter ends up being, you know, the the right thing and it looks like it's going to be around for a while, then, you know, I'll probably buy some some matter shades. So um, we're going to take a quick break for sponsors if we have one and we'll return with some more smart home discussion and dig into other parts of our homes. Everyone says that starting a podcast is easy, but let me tell you, making a podcast is hard work. That's where today's sponsor, Lightning Pod, comes in. If you have a podcast or you want to start one, then you should check them out. They can help you with every step of the podcast production process. We've been working with Lightning Pod founder, Eric Johnson, for more than a year, and he's really helped us take the Smart Home Show to the next level. Eric currently helps us with editing and copywriting, but he's also available to help your podcast with recording, monetization, website design, and more. Learn more at lightningpod.fm. All experience levels are welcome. So whether you're a veteran podcaster or a total newbie, you should check them out. That's lightningpod.fm. All right, Adam, you're up first this time on climate control. You know, kind of going back to my knowing who's where in the house, I think having temp adjustable by room based on who's in that space would be very killer. Yes, 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 yes. I mean, I think this also plays to efficiency, too. So in our house, we have two HVAC systems, and one for the upstairs and one for the downstairs. If there's nobody upstairs, you should then go into an efficiency mode where you're you know, tweaking it by a couple degrees. And speaking to some of the intelligence we talked about earlier... The home should also be able to anticipate that. So it should know, oh, you normally go upstairs to start going to bed at this time. I'm going to set the temperature ready for bed, you know, then. I think the other interesting thing at climate is devices talking to each other. So I think on our end of year show, I mentioned that we got an eight sleep bed, which does temperature control on the bed. One thing I mentioned to somebody from that company was it'd be great if not only you were doing temperature control at the bed, but also at the room level, because there's more to just controlling the mattress. You know, there's some more aspects to it there. I think on both of our lists were heated floors. I just said bathrooms. I think you have more places you want heated floors. Yeah, I would want 
heated floors in some closets, maybe like in the main owner's closet, just because you probably are getting ready in there. If it's not carpeted, a lot of homes these days are not carpeted by default. And I think the laundry is another good area for that. Think about places that you might be walking around in the house barefoot. Anywhere that you're going to be walking around barefoot and you might encounter cold floors, maybe the kitchen, I've never had. No, that's not true, actually. I'm going to take this back as I'm saying it. I heated the floors in the kitchen that we redid in our first home. So, yeah, I think heated floors are underrated and they don't have to be the primary mechanism of heat for a room. They can be, but just as a way of keeping your feet from being cold when you walk on the floor, that's really nice. So the the funny thing is I actually have heated floors in our master bathroom and the controller that is on it now is so broken and weird. And so there are some sort of schedules that are on there. So now our floors are just randomly hot. (laughs) And I have bought a smart, like there is a smart home controller for this. It's literally sitting on my sink next to where that controller is. And it's just a matter of one of these days I need to put it in and actually set it. Yeah, you should do that. They're very useful when they work properly. So the number one thing that I want heated, though, in the money's no object, uh, I obviously live in the Midwest, cold climate. I want a heated driveway. This is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I love this idea. I don't know why I didn't think of it. Yes, 100%. Absolutely. Yes. And of course, it comes on automatically when there is precipitation, and freezing temperatures. Yeah, I think, uh, and I'll actually go beyond that. So we're actually doing some work with a company right now that does automating of heat cables. So I also want to melt ice off of other parts of my house. And that may actually be a reality for me. We get a lot of ice dams over one section of our house that can sometimes gets built up to a concerning level of ice and icicles. So um, that's another area I would want um, some intelligence. Yeah, I've seen that done very well, actually. And you don't need to do it on, like, if, if you have specific problems on your roof, like the thing that you're talking about, it doesn't need to be the whole roof. You just address those specific areas where you have the problems and it can help tremendously. Much better than what I did last winter, which was I found there are these ice melting pucks. It's basically a a hockey puck size of salt that you throw on the roof. And A, I look like an idiot chucking these pucks onto my roof. (laughs) And B, my accuracy is not that great. So I missed and probably almost put one through a window. I was just going to say, well, as long as it doesn't go through a window. Yeah. So... Um, Yeah, I need a better solution. Yeah. The last thing I had in climate is a dream. And this is a technological one because I don't really know how you could practically do this. Is I want automatic windows. What I'm after is I like the idea of going to sleep with the windows open, especially certain times of year when the temperature's right, allergies are down. But the damn birds get up so early and they're so loud. So I want the windows to close themselves sometime in the night before the birds come out. I like that. You can also apply this technology to something like, you know, venting windows in an attic or in a loft space, windows that close automatically if it starts to rain that sort of thing. I've I've seen a lot of cool window automation that is largely underrated. I know Pella came out with a line of smart windows that had blinds built into them and that had lock sensors and automatic locks built into them so that you could tell whether 
a door or a window is locked or not from a main console in your home and then lock anything that wasn't already locked from anywhere, bedside, wherever you happen to be. That's really valuable. I love stuff like that. And I don't know why I didn't think of that when we were talking about this. Oh, that's another good aspect of Windows, too, of like the HVAC knowing whether or not there are open windows in the house and coordinating accordingly. Yep. You could just say, I want the desired temperature to be X. And if you could achieve that temperature with outside, you open windows. If that temperature could no longer be achieved, you would, you know, turn on the HVAC and close the windows. We're getting really fancy here. Well, money's no object. Yes. All right. Next up is security. I'll start us off on this one. So my security interests are kind of all over the place. Yes, I want a security system. One of my biggest complaints and one of the biggest reasons that I've never been happy with this security system is that most of them are pretty damn hostile toward pets. And by that, I mean the sensors aren't going to behave properly if you have pets and sure they can say, Oh yeah, but it's above a certain height. Anybody ever have a dog that jumps many dogs when they get excited about something, somebody being at the door will jump up and down in front of the door. So much for that sensor, right? Alarms on these things oftentimes freak dogs out like crazy. So when, where and how alarms go off, in a way that's still effective, but is going to be less disruptive in the home, particularly if there's a false alarm. Stuff like that, I think, is really important as well. I would pretty much want all of my doors, windows, garage stuff to have, like I was talking earlier, the automatic locker unlock things. But I'd also like some of that to work based on proximity. Like if I'm clearly walking to my backslider, then why wouldn't it just unlock for me when I go pull on the handle? If I pull in, just like my car door does, right? If I go up to my car and I touch the handle to open the car, it knows it's me. It's going to let me in the car. I'd love for some of the doors to work the same way, whether I'm inside or outside. You're not dreaming big enough. Why can't the door just open for you? Well, sure. Some of that is with with me thinking, okay, again, pets. Am I going to trust something like that with pets? How's that going to react to pets? And, you know, judge as you will. I think you and I have talked about this, but uh, a little information about me and my new home, we're very seriously thinking about buying an elevator for this house. This house was built with a space for an elevator. There's there's basically a shaft or a space where a shaft can be opened up between the floors. And as we get older, something like that makes more and more sense. I worry about any sort of automatic door thing when there are pets involved. I'm kind of like the garage door. Like one of the reasons that I worry about garage doors just closing automatically when I'm not watching it is could there be an animal there that isn't big enough to stop that door from closing or whatever? I don't know. I told this story on the show before, but um, one of my kind of accidental fun automations was I used to have an August lock on our door to the house from the garage, mainly just for testing it. And that door broke. And so the only thing that was holding the door shut was the deadbolt that the August was on. And August had this kind of Bluetooth proximity feature um, where it would unlock when you approached it. Right. And so when this door was broken and there was nothing holding it there, it did just that, which is it would swing open when you would approach it and there was so- there was something to it and i i, I was like no nah, there might be something here yeah it is kind of cool i don't know if i'm ready for the star trek world yet well we'll see i'll add to your proximity apple home key everywhere so we have the new schlag lock that has apple home key in it it is pretty awesome to be able to just tap your phone or your watch 
on the door and it just opens, you know, that's not quite full proximity, but maybe a little bit more secure, but there's something to that technology and I'd like to see it applied more places. I'd like to take something like that and apply it more the way that Kivo works, but faster, right? So it's pretty much what I'm talking about. You're touching the lock or you're touching the handle. And because you have this thing that knows you're you and it's in proximity, then it's going to open. I like that better than just I'm near it. So open. I don't know that that's necessarily the best approach. And I don't want to have to touch something else. I don't want to have to pull out my phone. I don't want to have to necessarily tap something on my watch. I like the idea. I want less friction. And just to clarify, you don't have to pull anything up or do anything. You literally just NFC tap your watch or phone. Like you just place your watch or your phone on the door and it opens. Yeah. Of course, this would be a good time to be able to say, unlock the door. And it would know what door you're standing at. It would know it's you. So it's okay to unlock it. It better be damn good because, yeah. Anything it has like to that, work, yeah, right? it has to be perfect. It has to be perfect. All right. One more thing, cameras. I have cameras outside. I have a couple inside that I literally disable, like remove batteries if I'm not on vacation because I don't trust cameras inside the house. I want cameras inside the house in certain thoroughfares, like maybe inside the basement entry door. There's hardly ever anyone down there. If there's anyone coming in that door, that's probably a problem. So things like that, that I could be confident about. I don't know what it's going to take for me to be confident about it, but it's probably going to take more than a camera from a company that I like, but consistently gets caught giving video away, even when they say they're not doing it. So maybe someday we'll get there. And I also want to be able to just call up any camera on any device anywhere in the house. I don't care who made it. I don't care what device. If it has a screen, I want to be able to say, show me the front door. I want to be able to say, show me the back door. Show me the basement. Who's in? Be able to get that maybe because it's on a camera, the camera figures out who it is or something. I don't know. But all of this technology should be available today to do stuff like this. Again, it's a matter of price mostly. Yeah, I said full camera coverage on the exterior of the house. I'm almost there today. And after going to parks a couple months ago, I actually ordered some ring cameras that are solar that would cover the areas in my house that aren't covered today. It's just a matter of putting them up. Add those to my list of shame. But the other aspect I want is intelligent notifications from the cameras. Yes. So I'm talking things like you should know what a package is and tell me when there's a package. Uh, one step further, you should know who delivered the package. It should be simple enough. Look at their uniforms. Look at the logos. Look at the truck on the street. You know, delivery from FedEx, delivery from Amazon. Delivery from UPS. People, you know, Nest was doing some pretty interesting things here to be able to identify specific people. But people in general, I don't think rings people detection is very good. It often thinks dogs and animals are people. Specific animals would be good. You know, tell me what it is. Vehicles, specific types of vehicles, all of those things. And with that, far less false notifications. Yeah, there's so much that you could do with notifications. It seems like such an under-explored area. Imagine the power of being able to tell you that someone entered your yard, has walked through your backyard, and is now at your basement door. That should all be possible. It's just identifying that the same person, you don't even have to know who it is, the same person and what path they're taking, what are they doing, that sort of visibility would be very useful. Well, you know, maybe in fact, that's the guy reading the meter, yeah, which is perfectly legit. And so you 
chalk that one off. Okay, this person's allowed to do that. And then next time you don't get notified about it. There's so much opportunity to do cool stuff here that I think just isn't well used. You probably know what your friend drives. When the blue Volvo wagon pulls into my driveway, let me know that Alex is here. Right? I mean, there's maybe even open the garage door so that Alex can get in really easily. And there's so much opportunity that I, I think is underutilized or too difficult to implement or is so controlled that you need to get your pro out to do it for you. And every time you have one of these scenarios or one of these changes, are you going to do that? No. Yeah. All right. This one's the fun one. Do you want to start this or do you want me to? I'll kick this off. So the last category is AV. For me, I said excellent speakers in common and outdoor spaces that support AirPlay 2 or some sort of future technology like it. But, you know, the ability to put music on any speaker at any time um, without having to worry about it. You went a little further with this. Well, I, I think I'm kind of saying the same thing, but I'm pushing it a little bit. I I want my music to follow me. So I want ambient music. I want ambient music to just be anywhere I happen to be in the home. If I go from doing something in the kitchen to going up into the main bathroom, I want that music. Maybe the music is a podcast or an audio book. I want that to follow me. Maybe even depending on what it is, depending on whether anybody else is home or not, depending on who it is in the home, what time of day it is. I want the audio to intelligently follow me from place to place. If I pick up my phone and resume playing something, it should be the same thing I was listening to. If I get in my car, I should be able to listen to the same thing the speakers in my living room were just playing for me. All of the technology is here to do this today. Again, it's just still too complicated or cumbersome to make it actually work this way. Yeah. I like your comment about who's in the home because, you know, I start thinking about the problems of that. And, you know, you and I probably have different musical tastes. But, you know, when I'm thinking about listening to, you know, maybe some explicit hip hop songs following me around the house, probably not a good idea if you have small ears in the house. Right. And they're considering the source of music, considering the rating of the music. Like I was saying, considering who else is home. If you are the only person who works at home, as I am, or if you live alone, it doesn't matter. But if there are other people in the house, you have to consider that sort of stuff. Yep. The next one has been a longtime dream for me. And if I ever do my basement, uh, I'll at least want to chip away at this which is a real home theater space with projection, ding, theater, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> theater seats, etc. So I said I want laser projection. So when we go out to the theater, my favorite theater to go to is the Dolby Theater near us. Uh, it's an AMC, has a Dolby Theater. So I want laser projection, like my Dolby Theater I like. I want an acoustically transparent screen with speakers behind it, so kind of like IMAX. Mm, nice. Killer Dolby Atmos sound. And because my wife yells at me when I turn sound up too loud, I want a fully soundproof room so I can give myself oh. he- hearing damage and I don't, don't have do to that. hear about it. <laughs> don't do that. But but I like the idea. I absolutely like the idea. Yeah, you took my thought and expanded much, much further than I had originally envisioned. But I would take all of that. Yeah. That all sounds great. I'm actually realistically now thinking of getting a short throw laser projector. I know Hisense and a couple other manufacturers have started making some really good short throw lasers. And I have a very nicely dark corner that would in fact be the screen location were I to even build a room, but without a room around it is still kind of perfect for something like that right now. So that might be my 
entry into that a little bit. My other requirement for this home theater is I want a good remote that just works. Obviously, <laughs> with Logitech Harmony leaving the space. Nope, nope. Money's no object. Buy Harmony. Yeah. Okay. We'll buy them and fix them and, and make it continue. There we go. Problem solved. I like that. Yeah, no, completely. I, I, I am still a huge advocate for the well-designed physical remote control with physical buttons. Screens are great. Screens are nice. They're not always necessary. One of the best remotes I have has no screen on it. And yeah, it kills me that we're losing Harmony. Other AV stuff for you? I think just other good, you know, solid TVs and sound elsewhere in the house. You know, most of our TV watching is done in our family room today. And we have a decent setup there. Probably the sound could be better. And that's another thing that, like, some intelligence there. Like, if there are kids sleeping, you know, keep the volume at a reasonable level. Maybe do different speakers based on that. How about put it in night mode automatically? Yeah. I don't understand why that doesn't exist yet. Just the same way that our screens go into night mode, why doesn't the audio also go into night mode at a certain point in time as an option? I think that would be incredibly useful. Yeah. While you're talking about TVs around the house, there are two things that have interested me. One, since I bought a frame TV in my office in the old house, I've really become quite fond of that form factor for a television. The idea of a TV that disguises itself as framed artwork in a room. And it can be and display artwork at most times of the day, and when you turn it on, it is then a TV. More and more in our home, the way that this new home is designed, we're really looking for ways to kind of obscure the fact that there's a television in the room. I say that as I just bought a new 65-inch television for the family room. But along those lines, one of the things that I think would be Really interesting to get into a variety of different rooms, like bedrooms, certainly in a family room, are motorized hidden TV enclosures. So the TV cabinet that encloses the TV itself and the TV comes up out of it. This is old technology. It's been around for a long time, still really expensive for some reason, or the TV that comes down from a hidden pocket in the ceiling or up from the bottom of your bedboard. All of this is pretty common in high-end smart home installations. Yeah. I was going to mention the bed one. I've, I've seen, I don't know, a demo of something like that. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I think, it, and, and it's entirely practical. Because seriously, why do you want to waste space in a bedroom for a television somewhere? It takes up counter space. It attracts dust. It's, depending on your perspective on things, could be an eyesore. I don't think so. I'm not the only one that lives here. (laughs) 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 Anyway, Adam, you had some other random stuff. That, I uh, yeah. didn't really fall into any of these categories. I added an other category, but I'll I'll just say it's a robotics category, which is I want I want Rosie, basically. I want actual uh. smart robots. I want good robot vacuums, floor mops, and I want a cleanup robot. You know, do dishes, pick up after the kids, you know, clean up the house, put things back where they go, you know, that kind of stuff. So I'm ready for that robotics future. We have a garage now that has one of those speckled floors that's all glossy. And I'm obsessive about wanting to keep that clean. I've never had a garage floor that I cared to keep clean. Now, I want that thing to be just spotless. So in my mind... I'm thinking these little robots that work the way the cleanup robots did on Wally, where when the car pulls out, they just automatically 
do their thing in the room, clean up any stains that happen to be there or any dirt that the car brought in on the wheels, any oil or anything, go back in their corner, wait for the next time. I like it. All right. Well, this was a lot of fun, Adam. Yeah. It's good to dream every once in a while. And, you know, maybe financially these things are a stretch, but I don't think technologically any of this is too far off. I think it's all very possible in our lifetime to see some of this. And, you know, maybe we'll actually revisit some of this someday if we get around to putting in a home theater or any of this kind of stuff. It's all, you know, things we could do down the line. Totally. I think most of this that we talked about is doable today. It is really, as you said at the head of the show, a matter of money that most of the technology exists today. You just have to really pay for it. And I mean, we're talking really pay for it. We're easily in our respective things we were discussing today, talking about half a million to a million dollars worth of technology before we even talk about the home theater, which itself, depending on your aspirations, could easily be multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, I've always said home theater is one of those uh, you can spend an unlimited budget on. on Absolutely. Absolutely. Saw a really cool picture of a home theater that looked like the inside of the Millennium Falcon. That might be overachieving, but one can dream. Yes. All right. Normally, we would take a question at the end of the show. We don't have one this time. Adam, how can people send us questions that we might be able to answer for them? Yeah, you can send us a question for this section of the show by putting something on Twitter with the hashtag AskSmartHomeShow. And we'll, if we have one, we'll answer it here. And since it'll be a couple more weeks till people hear from us again... How can they find you out on the internets? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Adam Justice and everything my company's up to at ConnectSense.com. And you can find me at Richard Gunther and what I'm writing about these days over at the Digital Media Zone. The Smart Home Show is part of Technology.fm, a collection of tech-focused podcasts that includes Home Tech FM, the Spoon Podcast, and... Home On, my other show, which is back and doing very well. Smarthome.fm is where you can find all of our show notes and details about our episodes. And of course, you can send us feedback at feedback at smarthome.fm. Find us everywhere you find podcasts and do us a favor, tell a friend or subscribe if you don't already. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.